Welcome to Seize the Day, a podcast exploring all of the tools that we can use on a daily basis to seize opportunities. I am Natalie Millisnell. Join me as I talk through different topics to help us seize those opportunities. Or I might be joined by guests who offer incredible advice and tips to help you walk through life. Coming up. I woke early in the morning, I couldn't eat my breakfast, I mean, and then I paced up and down for about half an hour in the venue before going on stage. My, my dad convinced us when we were wee boys that he was the real Clark Kent and that the film had been based on, <laughs> on his life. <laughs> that um, is amazing. And he totally convinced us. And um, my dad had dark hair but these piercing blue eyes, uh, as Christopher Reeve did. And now onto the show. Everyone, how are you all? Now, today is a great day as I am joined by, in the show by an absolute legend, a former primary school teacher and stand up comedian. He is now an incredible motivational speaker and he believes that adults can equally be inspired by children as children can by us. And I say the word us, Lucy, I'm, I'm putting myself as an adult in there, kind of. And he's also a wham bar connoisseur. And maybe we should start there first off. Please put your hands together for the absolutely wonderful Gavin Oates. Yay! Oh, thank you. What a lovely intro. Listen, can I say it is a pleasure to be on your podcast. And uh, yeah, looking forward to having a right good blether, as we say here in Scotland. I love it. And you're you're actually up in Scotland, because that was going to be one of the yeah. things I asked you as well. So you're based up there, Edinburgh way? So I'm in Edinburgh right now. Uh, if you walk to the end of my street, you will see the castle uh, <gasps> over, over the playing fields. Um, very lucky to live in Edinburgh. It's a beautiful, beautiful city. I'm originally from the west coast of Scotland. I grew up in a little town called Troon. Uh, Troon is very, very famous for its golf courses and its beaches. Uh, it's about 30 minutes west of Glasgow, right by the sea. So yeah, but I've been here for about 20 years now and uh, oh, I love it. It's got everything in this place. It's just magic. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Now for everybody who's not familiar with your good self or, or how I tend to kick off these shows is ask my guests to do a bit of an intro about themselves. So I will literally leave that wherever you want to start and go with it. My only, my only plead is can you bring in Mary Poppins somewhere? Because that's my absolute favorite <laughs> honestly and i've got shine here and we'll talk about that oh, in a amazing. minute and your new book and whatnot so yeah, please no, yes well i love mary poppins i'll throw that one out there right uh, from the start and if there's anybody listening that has never watched saving mr banks starring tom hanks and emma thompson then get it watched because it is one of the most beautiful films most underrated and under talked about is that even a thing yeah, uh, yeah movies let's go with of all it. time um, so no, I um, so well, uh, yeah. So I, I grew up in Troon, as I mentioned. Uh, left Troon at eighteen, headed to Aberdeen. Spent four years training to become a primary school teacher, of all things. Um, learned very quickly that I didn't want to be a primary school teacher. Uh, actually, do you know what? I often joke about that and about how small kids freak me out. It's so not true. I loved being a primary school teacher. Mm. Always wanted to be a teacher, but I also always wanted to be a stand-up comedian. Um, I I was a teenager through the nineties and. The 90s was all about bands, Oasis and Blur and all these bands. And don't get me wrong, I love my music. My wife is an extraordinary musician and always wished I could be in a band. I just couldn't play any music instruments or sing. But what I was really obsessed with in the 90s was, or who I was obsessed with, was Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer. Oh, I yes. was the biggest Vic and Bob fan in the world. And I just, I remember, I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a teacher and I wanted to do what Vic and Bob did. Um 
headed off to uni 18 very quickly discovered that to, to be a great primary school teacher you you need to do what Vic and Bob do you need to engage you need to be fun you need to be yeah. silly you need to tell stories uh you need to take them on a journey and you need to make sure that at the end of the day when that bell goes they'd like to come back tomorrow and do it again you know yeah. or do something different so uh, very quickly, having never been on stage in my life, because I have a huge fear of uh, public speaking, which I know sounds bonkers. <laughs> we are totally um, going to come back to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, I got uh, 18, first year at uni, I entered a stand-up comedy competition with a friend of mine, where we basically just ripped Vic and Bob off for a bit. But it went mad. Uh, and all through my four years at uni, by day, I was in the classroom or in lectures. And by night, I was in a car at one o'clock in the morning coming home from wow. doing stand-up gigs. And of course, Aberdeen, to be up there for uni, it's not a good place to be based for doing stand-up. It's so far away from everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I realized quite quickly that stand-up and teaching are the same thing. They really are the same thing. And my love of performing just grew and grew. Um teaching my love for teaching grew and grew graduated in 2001 decided to have a go at the comedy uh and see what would happen and it literally at 21 years of age it took me all over the world I performed wow. in the Melbourne Comedy Festival we were in New Zealand we were in California we were in New York or London and it it went absolutely stratospheric and then like all great rock and roll stories it all imploded we never spoke again for years and it all went horribly wrong. And at that oh. point, I thought, what do you do? Um, and my backup, of course, I had a teaching degree. So I thought, well, I'm going to go back into the classroom just now, just get a bit of stability in my life, bit of routine, bit of structure, uh, an income, of course. Um, and instantly just thought, my God, I've missed this. I have so missed being in the classroom with young people. And I taught for a couple of years and then... I basically, I went on a course one day called Putting the Fun Back in the Staff Room, which... Oh, love it. Well, I was in two minds. I love it, but I also wanted to throw up in my own mouth a little bit because <laughs> I thought this is going to be awful. <laughs> it's going to be so cheesy and rubbish and patronising. And I was so wrong, Natalie. Honestly, yeah. it was brilliant. I loved it. I laughed. I cried. I felt uncomfortable, yeah. but in a, in a good way. Yeah, yeah. And um, I did something crazy that day. I handed my notice in. Uh, I, I phoned the guy that had run the workshop, asked him for a job. He said yes. And I started with him one month later. Um, and we created all these wonderful workshops for teenagers at the time, oh, uh, which wow. I'd, never, I'd never worked with teenagers before. Um, it was terrifying. Uh, but it became the norm for me and created all these workshops around mindset and motivation and fun and creativity and humor and leadership but but done in a way that was like we were creating a comedy show um right. it was hilarious it was it, it was it was uplifting but it was also really educational but it was done in a way that it didn't feel like they were learning stuff mm. you know, it just felt really entertaining but maybe on the school bus home or on the walk home they it, you know the learning jumped out and smacked them around the face and they realized oh my god that was me he was talking about and it just grew arms and legs and then 13 years ago I led a management buyout in that company. I was still back in doing wee bits of stand-up at this point, but it was more just for fun uh, when I could. Uh, led a buyout, started again. Uh, it needed to happen. There was a lot in the business time just needed to change. So, so we did that and we went on a TV show in front of 10 and a half million people called Dragon's Den. And I haven't slept since. And that wow. kind of brings you up to speed. We now, what's been really interesting is we now work with some of the biggest companies in the world. So everyone from the NHS to Nike, 
and everything in between. Mm. Uh, we've done some cool stuff with a lot of people. And but what sits right at the heart of everything we do is the work we do in schools. It's still mm. there. That's the heart and soul of our business. Um, you know, and that's children from nursery all the way up to senior phase in secondary school and the staff, of course. Yeah. Um, and uh very lucky to have still been able to dabble in the world of stand-up. Haven't done that for a wee while now because the business is just too busy and the books yeah. have really taken off. And um, that's what I do. I speak for a living, I write for a living, and the goal is to get out there every day and inspire the world in some way. Oh, Love Mary it. Poppins. Mary Poppins. <laughs> I, you specifically asked I me would, to bring in Mary Poppins. I would Poppins. have come back to it. Don't you worry. You carry on, though. So, so Mary Poppins, that came from my first ever day as a, a student teacher. So 18 years of age, in the staff room, first ever time. Um, nervous, excited. Uh, it felt weird. It was a Monday morning. I sat down and somebody was like, that's Anne's chair, you know, and I went to get myself a coffee and somebody's like, that's Anne's mug. And, you know, and I was like, I hate Anne. I didn't know who Anne is and she's bugging me already. And I kind of, it was one of those weird workplaces uh, that you get in every line of work, not just uh, occasional schools here and there, where Monday morning felt a bit grumpy. You know, mm. it, it, the, the conversation was weird and people were moaning about their jobs and, and I was just kind of standing there thinking, I've been so excited about coming here and already I'm a bit like, nah, I'm not feeling it. And I thought about leaving, but 20 minutes later, uh, this woman who, she was a classroom support worker, one of the most important people we have in the yeah. world, not just in education. This lady just floated into the room like Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way, if I can quote the movies and the books totally. directly. And um, she just, she to sum it up, she just lit the room up. She didn't even open her mouth. And I just remember conversations moved. Shoulders came down, tone shifted, energy lifted, smiles appeared. Mm. And I just remember thinking, wow, who are you? You know, you've not even opened your mouth. How do you get to a point where you just, you just turn up? And it just got me thinking at 18 years of age about all the incredible people that had had wonderful impact on me and my life. It also made me think about the Mr. Banks that I had met along the way. And I just want to caveat that with if you do watch Saving Mr. Banks, you'll discover that Mr. Banks was not actually a bad person. Yeah. Really lovely man, hugely stressed and worked with some probably fairly unpleasant people, which contributed to that. But um, I remember standing there thinking about all these incredible people and what made them incredible. And at 18 years of age, I made a pact with myself that from that day on, I am Mary Poppins. And um, it's not a thought I'd ever had before. <laughs> you, know, you might have. <laughs> yeah, 18 years of age, straight out the west coast of Scotland. Yeah, I can honestly say I hadn't at any point considered that my life would now be channeling my inner Poppins. Uh, so, yeah, and I, I often talk about Mary Poppins. It's kind of become a bit of a signature uh, yeah. thing of mine, I suppose. So, yeah. It's such a wonderful story and it brings up, I mean, there's so much to unpack in everything that you've, you've just wonderfully given to everyone listening into the show. It's such a fantastic story because I think it really epitomizes everything that I believe that you stand for, certainly where I'm coming from as well, and how we linked up through Dr. Andy Cope, doctor of happiness himself, sure. in that actually what we bring to the table and how we can impact others is huge just by how we show up. Absolutely. If Just I, by yeah. how we're coming to the world. Sorry. Yeah. And it's a question that I think everyone should ask themselves daily. You know, how 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 do you turn up? Mm. You know, how do you walk in that front door on a Monday morning? Even the modern way of turning up on a screen, you feel it. Yeah. And I, you... and it was one of my concerns when the world went into lockdown. You know, my whole life has been up in front of 
lots of people in a room. Um, and I remember thinking to begin with, this won't work uh, on a screen, but actually it does. You know, you can read someone's face quite quite well. Yeah. You know, it's quite apparent how how they are. So yeah, it's all about for me how you how you turn up. And yeah, you know, I'm a huge fan of. Um, there's a wonderful book I read years ago called Legacy by by James Kerr. It's all about the New Zealand All Blacks and who, of course, are officially recognised as the highest performing team in history. Albeit they lost to Ireland recently, which was fantastic. Well, yeah, um, <laughs> amazing game. But but um, they are still the highest performing team in history. But they have this this thing they talk about um, planting uh, plant trees you'll never see, and I think that links to the how you turn up and it's about how you turn up and make it better every day than how you found it so that what you leave behind your legacy but even just your daily legacy if I can call it that you know you're always thinking about how you can make it better and leave it better than how you found it so for me this concept of turning up and the mindset that goes with that is huge and it's that idea of like one of the best bits of advice I ever got in in my career was you know you need to remember whatever you do in life Gavin you know, as, as a human, your, your energy introduces you before you do. Yeah. And I just, I blew my mind. I remember thinking, God, like, yeah, it doesn't matter what I do, where I go, who I'm working with. When I walk in that door, I'm there and they know I'm there and they're going to know which version of me is there. And it always links back to your Mary Poppins. You know, as a kid, when, when that teacher walked into the room, you just knew what kind of day you were in for. Now, unfortunately, you had the teachers that were the Mr. Banks. Um, and even now, you know, when you think back to being a kid and you think about those teachers, you can yeah. feel that thing that they created yeah, and it's not yeah. nice and that's not okay. So, you know, whether you're in education or not, I really believe that we all have a responsibility to turn up every day and make sure we make it better than how we found it so that when we leave, we've done our bit, you know. Yeah with a smile on your face. It's interesting because one of your speeches, well, in fact, all of it, I've been re I've been watching and listening to so much. It's really, really, really marvellous and very impactful. Um, you talked about with your children, just go and do something crazy with them, like pretend to curl yourself up and pretend to be a sausage roll. <laughs> I did that this morning. Yeah. I did Amazing. it this morning. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So I went outside, my boys are 10 and seven, and I went upstairs onto my bed and I was like, boys, boys, come and see quick. And I curled up and they looked at me like, what are you doing? I was like, what, what am I? And they're like, I've got no idea, but why are you doing it? I was like, I'm a sausage roll. Anyway, they kind of fell about laughing. The next minute, Jamie, my eldest, what am I? And he yeah. started to do it as well. Then my youngest did. And we had a whole game that they've now called, what am I? Oh, I so love it. I love it. Absolutely well, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of, I talk about and write a lot about play as adults yes. and and it's funny because people oh please you know it's for children you know they tell us that children learn best through play what they don't tell us is that adults learn best through play and play as we wrote about in shine as i've written about in other books the the break the official breakdown of play is imagination creativity and innovation which sits at the heart of every role every job every organization every career that there's ever been and you know it's funny because one of the things I mentioned in the books is that um, is another book called Play by Professor Stuart Brown. And he talks about how play is like oxygen. You just don't notice it until it's gone. And the thing is, we know when it's gone. You know when it's gone from your relationship. You know when it's gone from your job. Um, but actually, if you think about the whole COVID experience, you know, that first lockdown, the big lockdown, um, we, we experienced it. Play disappeared because play is responsible for creating sport. That was gone. The cinema, we couldn't go to. You couldn't go to music concerts. You couldn't go to comedy clubs. You couldn't socialise. You couldn't go yeah. on dates. Uh, you couldn't go to the theatre. Now, luckily, there were still books and you could download things. I get that. 
but actually in many ways we actually experienced what it's like for play to disappear. Um, so, you know, play is something that lifts people out of the mundane. It creates a sense of uplift for people. It energizes people. It's fun. It's exciting. So where we need oxygen to live, maybe, maybe there is an argument that without play in certain ways, we die. I, yeah, I'm on board with that a, a great deal, actually, because I experience it and use it in um, coaching. And I'm not necessarily we play, but I bring the creative element in to a lot of the things I'm trying to work with with clients if they're trying to explore something different, because we kind of get caught up in that really negative, non-creative spiral where we're not tapping into those beautiful juices that we can do in our mind. Yeah. So by doing some, you know, some drawing, perhaps some folk haven't done that for years or thinking creatively. Yeah. It un it just literally un un unlocks un there we go unlocks your mind so you yeah, can find it does yeah it does I'm going to read a wee quote that I saw this morning that I popped on Twitter um it said uh, a little girl four years of age says she knows what drawing is you just think something and then you run a line around your think <gasps> you just think something and then you run a line around your think which is a different way of saying what you just said. But yeah, but in actually a better way. She says that much <laughs> it's better. genius, isn't it? Yeah, genius. Absolutely genius. I mean, that's really raw and beautiful. But it's exactly that. And we forget that. Yeah. Life kind of knocks us. You know, there's a lot of stuff that folk go through. And then we, we forget to really remember the good stuff and how to tap in and just be carefree. This morning, just doing that, I was like, I'm just going to go and do it, was brilliant. And in fact, my boys... They, they can be quite raucous in the morning you know trying to get them dressed and all the rest let's of go to course. school we've got stuff to do it changed the dynamic yeah do it they, we had a bit of fun then they got ready Absolutely. and then we all left with smiles on our face yeah it's not a busy stressy morning yeah we it, do it's um, totally different i mean it's been a bit different obviously over the, over the last 20 months with covid but as a as a in my business tree of knowledge you know as a team there's quite a few of us and when we're all in the office together normally and we've only done that once in the last 18 months um we we start off our team days with a game of hide and seek really? uh, yeah oh, and and, and it's funny because there's people i meet they're like oh, it's a bit weird and i'm like how do you start your day and they're like oh we have teas and coffees Woo! but i but i'm saying to them it's not about the hide and seek see 20 minutes of running and hiding and laughing and giggling see afterwards see the see the feeling the buzz in the room mm. that's what you then take into meetings and onto phone calls and into creating a new workshop or a new keynote or something like that and it filters through into your day so play is so much more uh than just a bit of fun fun is so yeah. much more than just a jolly with your mates for me it's about joy it's about happiness it's about wellness um yeah. I, I, I could keep going Absolutely. Totally, totally, totally agree. You touched on COVID's had massive, massive impact on yeah. so many folk, well-being, wellness as well, mental health. It's obviously affect folk like yourself in terms of mm -hmm. actually being able to go out, do what you do, deliver the motivational talks, see people, the actual physical connection, that energy, that kind of tribal um, or tribal species that we are at heart. So you've been delivering online. Oh, I did yeah. see you. You've started. You had your first conference the other day as well. I saw it on LinkedIn. I How did. It was, was it? it oh, amazing. So and it was just yesterday. It was it, yeah, yeah. It was just yesterday. It's. I have done um, a small number of in-person events, uh, but this was this was the first big one. Uh, oh. So there was like about six hundred people or something in the room. It was a giant stage with huge screens behind me. So that, it's the first big one I've done in what 20, 20 months or something. Uh, yes, yeah, the most nervous I've been. 
uh, right. for all, I mean, I get nervous, really nervous before a session. Um, I've learned to kind of enjoy it, which is a bit weird, but I am, um, it, it, it was amazing. Like I, I just, it's weirdly, it's where, it's where I'm at my most comfortable is when I'm on a big stage with, with, right. with lots of people, all my anxieties, all my concerns, all my worries, just, just, just go away. I think it's the sort of immediacy of being in that environment. You have no choice, but to focus on what you're doing because there's hundreds of faces staring at you. Um, but no, it was brilliant. And it was nice. It was nice to get out of the house. <laughs> um, the virtual thing, the virtual thing has been amazing, right? Mm. I'm going to go against what a lot of people have said. I love it. Like I mm. absolutely love it. And it works when, when it first happened, um, I remember sitting with my business partner saying, this will not work. You cannot capture what we do in a school or a business or at a conference on a school. It just won't work. And I was genuinely concerned for the future of the business. Uh, we had some very uncomfortable, difficult conversations for that first two or three months when there was real question marks for all of us in the world. Didn't matter, yeah. doesn't matter what you do for a living. Um, but very quickly, we, we got good at it. We basically got really good at doing virtual uh, workshops and discovered that you can still host conferences and speak at conferences and it went absolutely bonkers for us particularly in the corporate side of things um because of course when schools got sent home you, you kind of get beamed into you can't get beamed into kids homes you're not allowed yeah, and we were like yeah. oh that's a huge part of our business what do we do so we you know they talk about uh, how entrepreneurs when they fall off the edge of a cliff they build a plane on the way down <laughs> so we built a plane and it was called treehouse uh and it was a online um, mental health and wellbeing platform for for schools um, which is a whole new industry market space whatever you want to call it that we have never ever delved into and we just it's amazing what what can be born out of a place of genuine fear yeah. um, but we just got brave uh, people talked about pivoting we pirouetted uh, <laughs> and uh, and we're still pirouetting and off we went so so I think the first two to three months was horrendous mm. and then it was a do or die situation as it was for people in events you know yeah. um you know we've been 20 years in big rooms full of people um and that disappeared and yeah. is still not really there for a lot of people and it's quite different here in scotland still as well you know um no disrespect to everybody south of the border but you guys it's for a lot of the few trips i've made it appears that for some people covid doesn't exist anymore yeah, um and personally i find that quite strange and quite mm. uncomfortable um however in scotland it's still very very strict you know in schools everybody's wearing masks everyone's social distancing um a lot of people are still working from home albeit it's much further on than, than it was so um so we're still doing a lot of online stuff and i'm really hoping moving forward that there's a bit of both in my life because yeah. i have become very very grateful not for covid that's been awful but very grateful for the shake that yeah. COVID brought. I mean, it shook my business and its people to their core. And we very quickly realized what wasn't right, what wasn't good enough, what we thought was good enough wasn't good enough. And then we discovered that good enough's not good enough. Um, and we were better people. My team and I, we're better mm -hmm. people, we're closer, we're having more fun, we've got a more flexible approach to everything. I mean, I remember people saying to me three, four years ago, can I work from home tomorrow? And then we would have a meeting, Nelly. We'd have a meeting <laughs> to discuss it, which clearly meant we didn't trust them. Yeah. Um, whereas now, we're all working from home. There's three or four folk going on a Monday. We have team days penciled in over the next few months just to get us all together. 
I walk my daughter to school every day. That right there is the highlight of the last 19 months for me, walking my wee girl to school every day because I never did it with my son, who's at high school now. I've never been to a sports day. I've missed most parents' nights because I was always away three, four nights a week, traveling on a Sunday. Now I make the dinner. I'm home for dinner. I love it. So I'm hoping to get a bit of both. Now, don't get me wrong. Yesterday up on that big stage was just a joy. I loved it. I loved it. And uh, yeah, I've got a lot of bookings at the moment still online, but I do see a few coming in now that are in person. Although I'm watching the news this morning thinking, oh my God. I know. Here it comes again. I hope not. I hope not. I hope not. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I've got my booster actually this evening. So that will be interesting. Uh, Yeah, I I shouldn't be too long. I hope hopefully this side of Christmas and New Year, but we'll see. Fingers crossed. Well, there's a couple of things I'd like to pick up on there. First off, uh, definitely for listeners, you talk about nerves going onto the stage and curious to understand how you overcome that because, you know, I listen to you here and now and and see you um, across the screen. And when I've watched your videos and you on stage, you look so relaxed. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly what I see visually. You appear to come across incredibly confident. You look so relaxed. So what goes on before and how do you overcome it for anyone who's listening? So once I'm on, I'm fine. Um, So this is something I've battled with my whole life. Um, Like I am a very, very anxious person. And it's something that I only really started talking about publicly. Um, So I I had a book come out just six weeks before uh, COVID called Life Will See You Now. There's a chapter in there called uh, Confidently Lost, which I have revealed uh an insight to my mind that no one knew about well my my closest family and friends knew um and it has taken a lot of people by surprise and it has led to umpteen presentations and talks about anxiety and and mental health and things like that i i really struggle with anxiety at times um i don't sleep particularly well i'm getting i have don't get me wrong there's moments where it doesn't bother me at all for months I mean, we need anxiety. It keeps us alive. You know, we all have it at that kind of low level. It's just every now and then, mine goes bonkers and it explodes. Um, so the, the most recent of which, well, I came close first three months to COVID, if I'm being honest. Uh, but 2018, um, my my brain broke in 2018. I was very unwell for about nine months. Uh, but I did what most people do. I didn't tell anyone. I just kept going. Yeah. I performed my way through it. I pretended my, wor- my world was fine. I performed... I drew upon all my performance skills from my days in stand-up and teaching. Um, and my body then broke out in hives, uh, which is a, usually a pretty severe warning. But of course, it stopped at my wrists and below the neck, which it's meant I could just chuck it. a shirt on yeah. and keep on going, Natalie. And then eventually my wife, uh, who is amazing, um, sat me down and said, right, you've been trying to tell me something for a few months now. I know you're not right. Do you know, I'm actually feeling quite emotional talking about it. Oh. And um, and she was amazing. And I talk about her as being my shove. She just gave me the shove that I mm-hmm. needed to stop and just sort myself out. Um, and then it's funny because anxiety has always featured in my life. But see, when it's, when it's at its worst and you're sleeping 20, 30 minutes a night for weeks and weeks, I mean, oh. like, that's not good. And it all came no. to head four o'clock in the morning in a hot tub when we were away on holiday and uh, I found myself in a hot tub on my phone at four o'clock in the morning reading we're going on a bear hunt Um, and the reason being I was sitting there on my own in the hot tub I I won't tell you the full story but it wasn't my hot tub that adds a whole new layer to that story (laughs) and um, I was just sitting there thinking 
I can't, I can't seem to, I can't seem to fix this. I can't, I can't, I can't seem to get around this in any way. I think I'm just going to have to embrace it and be open and talk about it and just go through it, which made me think about going on a bear hunt. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. We're going to have to go through it. Yeah. And I actually, I actually found myself four o'clock in the morning in someone else's hot tub in tears, reading, <laughs> going on a bear hunt. And I started to laugh. I was like, oh my God, what, have I, what is what has happened? Because oh. on paper, 2018 was the greatest year of my life. Right. Business was flying. Family great. New house. Beautiful new house. Business was great. Shine was out uh, yeah. and was a bestseller. Uh, honestly, everything was amazing. But I'd taken on too much. Yeah. Uh, and then I just took on more to try and cover it. And I thought I'll take on more because it'll keep my mind busy. And then I'll take on more. And then I tried to start a new business whilst running the other business. Um, and it just all it all just went horribly wrong. So I realise I've gone off on a bit of a tangent there. So to bring this full circle. No, it's, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And is that no, the reference to bear wrestling on your website? No, it's not. <laughs> it's oh, okay. not. But, okay. but actually, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that because I, the, the bear wrestling thing was it, it was clearly just a, a joke. However, since writing that chapter, it it has in my you're the only one that's ever mentioned the connect the possible okay. connection now that I've shared that story with you. But I remember thinking I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave that there because <laughs> actually I know in my head that's got a whole new a whole new, a whole new yeah. meaning okay. to it. So yesterday, for example, before going on stage, I mean I paced up and down. Mm. I woke early in the morning. I couldn't eat my breakfast. I mean, and then I paced up and down for about half an hour in the venue before going on stage. I hate people trying to talk to me. I hate having right. to do sound checks because my mind is racing. I can't remember what I'm meant to say because I don't use any notes. I don't use any slides. Uh, it's all memory and it's awful. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> horrible. And every day for about 20 years, in fact, longer than that, uh, you know, like when I was doing uh, stand up from a young age, just pacing up and down thinking, why, why am I doing this? I could have a normal job. I could rock up at nine o'clock, stare at a screen all day, go home and switch yeah. off. Uh, instead, I wake up through the night going, God, I've got a big crowd of 2000 today or I've got that thing I need to do today. Or, But the minute I'm on yeah. that stage, it all goes uh, yeah. and my words come back to me, but all those anxieties go away. And I think um it's very hard to answer the question of how do you deal with those nerves mm. i think the only answer i have is to put myself in situations that terrify me yeah so if it feels if it's terrifying but exciting at the same time i think i think that i think that's your sign to just just chuck yourself into yeah. it and and give it a go and and embrace fear and embrace your worries and just doth one's capped it yeah this is how i'm feeling right now and that was actually one of the things that pulled me out of uh 2018 was just actually i guess this is sort of steeped in mindfulness isn't it it's just that idea of going this is how i'm feeling yeah deal with it rather than fight 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 what if what if what if shove it back shove it it's just that yeah. moment of do you know what just let it in this is it this is where i'm at in life you're going to have to accept it and do something about it and that's how i walk on stage i'm just like no no this is how you're yeah. feeling you just need to embrace it get up there and and uh, and do your thing and see when I'm up there I love it I mean don't get me wrong I've had awful gig stuff <laughs> uh, I really you learn from them I guess don't you, you you have to the worst thing you can do is if you have a, a down day or an off day or a bad gig is just go well I'm never doing that again 
Yeah. Uh, it's those moments where you get back up and do it again. And this time it goes right. You're like, oh, brilliant. And then you get this huge rush of excitement and, uh, and adrenaline. So, so yeah, I am a bit of an anom- anomaly, I think, when it comes to public speaking. However, interestingly, on the comedy circuit, most comedians I meet and know, and I don't really do it anymore, but most most of my friends in the comedy world are very quiet, very anxious, introverted. Um, yeah, introverted. They they're not great at big parties. They, you know, when people are constantly going tells a joke, tells a joke, it's awful. It's awful. Like I, I see that event yesterday. There was a guy I get introduced to at the start, um, and uh, he's like, oh, I heard, I heard, uh, I heard you you used to do stand up a lot, and you used to always, you know, you you won some awards at the Fringe in Edinburgh, and and he just started saying, tell me a joke, tell me oh, a joke. No. Oh, do you do any jokes on this? And then he starts, and I hadn't said a word. I still hadn't told him a joke. And now he's telling me all his best jokes. And he's going, you can use that if you want. And I'm just going, shut up. Yeah. it's <laughs> You know, it's because you don't do that with any other jobs. No, yeah. And it goes back to what you were saying about you having to, well, you felt like you had to continue to perform yeah, in your life to exist because of that expectation of how yeah. people view you. Yeah. yeah. And I was sitting there yesterday and I just, I just want to eat my lunch. <laughs> so no, it's uh, I love what I do. I absolutely love it, um, but it terrifies me. That it's inspiring, and I think quite admirable. And I, I have no doubt what folk will take from this, because certainly what I am is we all experience this. And is it Mel Robbins? I think she said the one time, or, or perhaps it's one of the things that she focuses on in her coaching, that when you feel those nerves look at them as excitement so rather than thinking oh I'm nervous to go and do this I'm excited to go and do yeah. this and try and reframing mindset that way to get you yeah. onto the stage well that's it and I think I'm right in saying it's the same chemical reaction in the brain yeah. you know if, um, if whether you're nervous or excited and I remember as a kid I remember I can't remember which teacher it was but some I remember it was before like a it was like a rugby match or something we were playing and I remember the, the PE teacher I think it was saying you know if you're if you're nervous if you keep thinking about what's going to make your nerves, what might go wrong, then that's how you're going to feel. Whereas yeah. if you flip that on its head and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm excited and here's, here's why I'm excited. So in other words, focus on what might go well yeah. rather than what's going to go wrong. And I think, I think that's probably part of what I do every day as well as I'm a bit of visualization in there, I suppose, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about those smiling, happy faces. Because I tell you, when you're up in front of a crowd, it's very easy to find the one that's not enjoying no, it. There's um, every one, yeah. Yeah, there's a brilliant comic strip, actually. It's only two boxes. I've forgotten the guy's name. That's awful. He's a stand-up comic. Uh, Damien. Oh, that's awful. There's a brilliant little two-box comic strip. Uh, Damien Clark. He's an Australian comedian. Brilliant. I'm always keen to make sure the references are right. And it's two boxes. The first box says, um, the view from the stage in a comedy club. And you're looking out over the microphone and there's just all these faces crammed in, laughing their heads off. The bottom one says what the comedian sees. The exact nice. same view over the uh, the microphone. Everything's blacked out apart from one. All you see is one face and it's miserable. Mm. Then you look back up to the top one and that face is in the exact same spot. You just didn't notice them because of all the happy faces. Yeah. And it's so true. Like when you're up there on stage, whether it's stand up, whether it's teaching, whether it's training, whether it's keynoting, whatever it might be, doesn't matter how big the audience is, somehow your eyes are drawn to that, that one. one grumpy person. It's so true. And also as well, on that though, what I found really fascinating is what's, what's being said on someone's face isn't necessarily what they're thinking. 
And it's yeah. also not necessarily about you. And that's what's really interesting because we've got something else going on, but we see it as a reflection of what we're doing. Absolutely. And and they might just be concentrating. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a there is a a slightly cheeky term that goes with that. And um, I'm not I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say it on your no, go podcast. For it, go or for not, it. But it's called resting bitch face. That's right. Um, and I remember year like years ago, somebody telling me about this, and I just sort of laughed it off. But over the years, I've read a lot about. Yeah. I don't know if that's the official terminology, of course, but um, yeah, I think that's definitely a big part of any form of presenting or speaking, you know, any form of getting up in front of a group or an audience, you know, you need just to learn to out, retrain yeah. your brain that just because they've got a face on them doesn't mean they're not enjoying it. I mean, I've given talks to some of the quietest, most miserable looking audiences and the feedback's like, best thing I've ever seen, hilarious. Yeah. I'm like, tell your face, please. <laughs> <laughs> it makes my job better. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Okay, you, we've touched on books a bit already. Let's talk a bit more about them because you've co-authored, is it three books? Uh, four now. Oh, four so, now. Wow, so with, amazing. With Andy, there was Shine. Oh, um, and then it's with, here with yeah. some tabs in. I, <laughs> I love this book. Yeah, it's very so proud beautiful. Of it. Yeah. Yeah, and the front cover is full on glam rock as well. Isn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of David Bowie and Kiss and all these people. So yeah, that's right on my street. But um, and then there was Zest, um, which we also wrote with. So it was me and Andy and, and one of his team, uh, Will. Uh, okay. Brilliant. And then the three of us decided to do some kids' books. So we've got Diary of a Brilliant Kid, Top Secret Guide to Awesomeness. Wow. And that's kind of seven to ten, sorry, seven to eleven year olds. And uh, the second one came out just about two weeks ago, and it's called Brill Kid, the Big Number Two. So that's the ones I have co-authored. Uh, and then my first solo book came out, as I mentioned, about six weeks before the pandemic. Who would have thought? Yeah. Um, and it's called Life Will See You Now. And um, the subtitle has a very rude word in it. So I won't say that. But um, my, my, me and Andy's books are not the kids' ones, obviously, are a little bit sweary. My yeah. book is very sweary. Is it? Um, it is. It is. I don't actually swear when I'm on stage, but something happens when I'm writing. But right. as I say in my books, I say I might use bad words, but I don't say bad things. There's a difference. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, that gets me out of a, a pickle here and there. Um, and um, so Life Will See You Now came out six weeks before the pandemic, and it's just been, oh, it's been a real roller coaster, a real huge, exciting journey for me because I think, I mean, how relevant to come out just before a pandemic, well, you know? I was going to say, yeah. How, I mean, that almost timing couldn't have been better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a shame for the the physical sales and shops. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't mean that in terms of financial gain. I mean, in terms of it's a shame for the independent bookshops and mm. things like that because we sold a lot online um and i'm a big fan of supporting uh the independent bookshops yeah. but um you know it's funny personal development books they they sell in huge numbers in airports in w smiths oh. uh, but of course that all closed but um it was amazing i was getting i think with this kind of book you don't know who you're writing for um right. and i got messages during that first lockdown from like teams of nurses in hospitals in london saying that this is the book that they have all decided to read it together and this is getting them through and you're like like at no point at the point of writing do you think you know see if there was ever a pandemic and nurses <laughs> were having a tough time this would be great of course not i got an email from a woman in australia telling me that um, it has helped her to escape an 11 year abuse of marriage now mm-hmm. again at no point at no point at the time of writing do i think oh do you know see see women in australia that are having a tough time this will help so yeah. i think um it was funny andy did a, a review, uh, Andy Cope, and um, <laughs> I love his review. He said, um, 
He said, this book isn't self-help. This is Gav help. He's written the, he's written the damn thing for himself. And <laughs> what Andy learned was that I started writing that book off the back of my experience in 2018. Right. And I didn't realize it until he put it in writing yeah. that I had written the book that I needed. Uh, I wrote a book that I needed at that point in my life. And I just feel very grateful and lucky that other people um, have read it and it's it's helped them as well. And um, and the next one comes out on the 3rd of March and it is wow. called A Head Full of Everything. And this is inspiration for teenagers uh, with the world on their mind, which I think right now is pretty much every teenager. Yeah, really important, isn't it? I mean, I, certainly I see that, that the change in how folk are thinking because since the pandemic and how it's affected all of us, but from a younger age as well. And, you know, I'm speaking to graduates as well who kind of lost a little bit in terms of where they w- want to go or what to do because the world has almost closed in on them. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a, it's been a weird time for everyone. Yeah. I, I mean, everybody. Um, unless, and I think back to being a teenager, in the 90s it was weird then as well you know um you know i i put a thing out on my my speaker page on facebook as a wee as part of my research for the teen book and i i just said to people i want you to sum up what it's like being a teenager in three words and everybody kind of said the same thing there was it was almost like one extreme the word and and then the other extreme and the one that jumped out somebody just wrote brilliant and shite and I was thinking back to my time as a teenager, I was like, it was brilliant and it was shite. <laughs> and, then, and then I spoke to lots of teenagers and I was like, what, what do you think if somebody would say being a teenager is brilliant and shite? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, it's absolutely it. That's bang it's on. amazing and yeah. it's awful all at the same time. <laughs> so the opening sentence of this book, now it's for 14 to 17 year olds, okay. um, it is being a teenager is brilliant and shite. Yeah. Uh, and um, and I think uh, I think I think that is where it's at. But then chuck the pandemic into the mix. Because yeah. when I was between the age of 14 and 17, I was really home. Mm. I was out with my pals. We were probably doing stuff we shouldn't be doing. We were down the beach in Troon, playing running about in golf courses, not playing golf, but on the golf course on a Friday night doing things you shouldn't be doing. Uh, and um teenagers now I mean they've had two years of their life where they've not been able to do what a lot of teenagers do yeah and it's meant more time in your room more time on your phone yeah. more time scrolling and of course there as we talk about in shine there's an opportunity cost with that you know scrolling is not living your life it's scrolling mm. yeah I often say to teenagers you know how <laughs> you know like how big are your thumbs going to be in another few years you know and five million years we're all just going to be thumbs yeah um if if uh if covid goes away that is what else i don't think we'll be here at all uh, we may not be here at all um yeah i think teenagers have had they've had it tough everyone's had it tough but i yeah. i really do feel for teenagers I and mean, as we spoke about earlier you know with the whole exam situation there's still huge question marks around it um in fact, I don't know if we spoke about that. Maybe I've imagined that. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I think I've about it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I thought I was thinking about it. It's, uh, do you know, I was on another call with someone else this morning. I think we spoke about it. <laughs> but do you know what? Please share. Well, well, I was, I was thinking about it and it just popped into my head there, you know. So senior, so in Scotland specifically, we, we, we call it fourth, fifth and sixth year. So it's uh, year 11, 12 and 13. It's your last three years of high school, basically. Um, not a single senior phase pupil in Scotland has sat an exam before. None. Oh my, of course. None. Because of 
the time frame now yeah. of, of COVID. So not one of them has sat in an exam. Now, this year, or this wow. year coming, next year, well, 2022, the government still haven't told schools if they're sitting exams or not. Wow. So the stress and the, the, the what-if scenario, the anxiety yeah. for teenagers at the moment is through the roof. They don't know if they're meant to be preparing for exams or not. It's hard to prepare for something that you think might not happen. Yeah, but yeah. And, and why would it, you actually for yeah, that yeah. matter? Yeah. Uh, but they're having to. And then if it doesn't happen, there's another rug pulled out from under their feet. Oh, crikey. And if they do happen, oh my God, they're happening. We've never done that before. What's this going to be like? It's go- so there's, it's not, there's not really a win for anyone mm. at the moment. Um, and I realise in England, the, so our education system is different. So it's a wee different. bit different down there. And I know that in your schools, you have people sitting exam and tests and exams in primary school, which personally I think is awful but anyway that's another conversation yeah, for another d- day I, yeah i'm with you uh, i think that's i can say i think that's one thing we do a wee bit better here is the education <laughs> side of things but i'm a bit biased of course uh but that is probably the main reason why i'm saying that um the exams but um so yeah uh that's um i think that's going to be a challenge for for our young people so i'm hoping that my teen book i'm, I'm hoping that that um can help a lot of people yeah and it's interesting you talked about the scrolling of the thumbs I think that's such a great thought and you know visual that you see immediately don't you and again something you watching your videos inspired me you you made a comment on one of your videos it might have been the TED talk I'm not sure where you talked about actually you know the 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 old days of sitting in front of the TV on a Saturday night all together Mm. watching the, the great TV shows but being together being present yeah and, you know, because then you said, you know, do you do that now? And I was like, yes, we do do that now. And you're like, no, you don't. And then I thought about it. It's like, no, you're right, because I've got my phone right by yeah, me. Yeah, you've checked Facebook 23 times already, during, yeah. during Gladiators, which is yeah, not on anymore, obviously. Not anymore, but yeah, yeah, or the wheel or whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's so true. So what I'm actually going to do after this, I'm going to get my play on. I'm going to get creative. I'm going to make a box because we have movie and pizza night on Friday and I'm going to get Brilliant. all of us to put our electronics in it. So you should. I think it's a really important thing, uh, this idea of um, when you come home at night, everyone put everyone put your phone in a different room or in a different yeah. box or a different bowl. Have a phone bowl rather than a fruit bowl or have two yeah. bowls. I read a really interesting thing actually about uh, people who charge their phone. Uh, well, you don't have to be charging it, but they have their phone in the room at night. Yeah. There's a bit of research just came out People who keep their phone in a different room during the night are happier. Can't remember why, but the yeah. actual science part. But basically, if you if you have your phone right beside your head on your bedside table at night, over time, you will become less happy than somebody who keeps it in a different room. I, I well, do you know what? If I just think logically, I can understand that because... I mean, I switch all the notifications off now, but the, it's still there, so I'm aware of it, and I look at it. I use it as a clock, but there's Same. I could go and buy well, a cheap no, clock. Exactly. Yeah. No, absolutely, and that is something my wife and I have spoken about, And because most couples and individuals, but most couples, the first thing they do in the morning is they reach for their phones. Yeah. The last thing they do at night is lie in silence and scroll. Scroll, yes. That's yeah. not talking. It's not, it's not communicating. It's not romance. It's, it's scrolling, but it's an easy fix. 
just didn't do it. And I'm going to get a clock now, actually. L- listen, honestly, you've changed my life today. I'm not even going to lie. This is brilliant. Get, get one of those clocks that from the, was it the 60s or 70s where they make a wee cup of tea at the same time. Oh, what the tea's made. Oh, That's what it called. is. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, get one of them. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, Gavin, what's next? We're going to have a couple of fun questions in a minute, but what's next for you? You've mentioned about you've got another book coming up conferences you're going to try and hybrid them with online you're going to get absolutely people maybe some stand up perhaps or uh no i'm no i'm i'm kind of um the 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 working late at night thing i'm done with yeah Uh, i'm over it um i do miss it i like i really miss it like being in stand-up i mean we had some incredible times Mm. met the best people took me all over the world but no i'm uh, so so the teen book is a big thing um we have a mental health and well-being platform that we created uh, at the start of COVID for schools called Treehouse. And it's a huge undertaking for us because we've never worked in a digital space before. Right. Um, so we've got over 400 schools subscribed now. We're a year into it. And that is going to, we're going to put a bit more time and attention and focus and heart and soul into that because it's it's proving itself to be an incredibly valuable resource to schools that are right. looking to support the mental health and well-being not just of the young people but of their staff as well um so it's been amazing but it's very new so really keen to keep adding value to that making it as exciting and as useful and as helpful for teachers uh, and support workers and schools and young people as we possibly can so that's a big focus but yeah just keep um keep keep getting out there doing my thing and right. um and and spend as much time with the family as i can because mm. Again, I do, I mean, there will be more in-person things coming. Um, so whilst I've got uh, more time at home, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the most of it. Make the most of it. I absolutely adore that. Really, really adore that. And I the same, being able to do the school run. And sp- I, I was never here either in the mornings and I'd yeah. just get the children when they were, the boys when they were going to bed. So it's, yeah. COVID's been really harsh, but there's also been a few brilliant gems uh, that have absolutely. come out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely amazing. Right. Okay. A couple of fun questions. Fun, fun questions for you. How many pillows do you sleep with? <laughs> uh, so I have two, but I use one. I know that's weird. I end up push it. I kind of push it out the way and use one. Uh, but but there are two, so I guess I have to say two. That's brilliant. I love it. I'm the same. I just sleep on the one, but we yeah. probably have three actually now. Um, what is your favourite food and why? Seafood. Uh, oh, nice. Seafood. I... Eat it. Uh, yeah, yeah it's a classic i um i adore shellfish uh okay. there's a restaurant here in edinburgh called fishers and they have the hot seafood uh hot shellfish platter right nice it's 97 pounds wow and i've only done it once ever and it was my 40th and i my wife paid for it she, she was like this is your birthday treat <laughs> and it is a mountain of shellfish covered in garlic butter. Now, for anybody listening to this that doesn't like shellfish, it'll be like making them sick. Yeah. But it, for me, that is it's that is my absolute heaven. And that and cheeseburgers. I think cheeseburgers are one of the best inventions of all time. <laughs> I think my son would agree with you, actually. Yeah. To be specific, for me, it would be a blue cheeseburger. As in, oh, so like a gorgonzola? Yes, actual blue cheese. Oh, I love nice. blue cheese on a burger. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can understand. Blue cheese is delicious. <laughs> I like cheese actually, and the stinkier the better, really. Oh, you've absolutely. Got, yeah, you've got to really go. Yeah, 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 that's a good yeah, one. Yeah. And a wee tip for people going to restaurants who aren't so much into desserts. This is a thing I've discovered recently. Starter, main course, starter. There you go. <laughs> 
It'll really? change. It'll change your life. We were in um, a restaurant a couple of weekends ago. My wife and the two kids. My mum was through visiting, and we took her out somewhere nice. And they're all getting desserts. It's not that I don't like desserts, but I ordered scallops for dessert, and the guy was like, "What?" And he said, "I need to go and check with the chef." And I was like, "Why?" He said, "It's timing. It's because of timing." And he and he went away. And he came back, and he went. The chef says it's fine, and he says, "I've also to give you this message: you're a legend." <laughs> And I was like, why? And he's like, because you're having scallops for your dessert. And I was like, cool. All right. Brilliant. Oh, that's amazing. Well, if you're going to do it, for, do it for the chef as well. There you go. Yeah, that's absolutely. brilliant. He was delighted. Now, um, if you were a superhero, what would your power be and why? Ah, uh, to fly. Mm. So I, I love the original Superman films with Christopher Reeve. Yeah, um, And, well, they, do you know, they're, they're actually really special for me and my brother. So my... It was something that we used to watch with dad. So we lost dad a while ago to uh, pancreatic cancer. So those movies, my my dad convinced us when we were wee boys that he was the real Clark Kent and that the film had been based on, <laughs> on his life. <laughs> that um, is amazing. And he totally convinced us. And um, my dad had dark hair, but these piercing blue eyes, uh, as Christopher Reeve did. And um, we used to pick my dad up every night after work when we were really wee and it used to get dropped off at this little, I don't even know what you'd call it. It's like this tiny wee building that has got electrics in it, but it's tiny. And my dad used to tell us that that was where he, let, where he hung his suit up. And that was, and nobody was allowed in this wee building, but why would he be there? Like if he didn't <laughs> hang his suit up there. And we used to say to him things like, why, why, well, why do you not do like free flights around for all our friends? And he's like, oh, I can't, I can't have people knowing knowing our secret you know I would give it all away and uh, so when we were really wee he uh like 21 uh yeah <laughs> he, uh, he convinced us that uh, he was Superman so those films have kind of stuck with me and I also have a recurring dream uh I've been having it my whole life where I can fly but only three or four inches off the ground it's very weird it's very weird and are I you actually it. horizontal when you do it uh -huh. or are you yeah, I, yeah. I fall forward yeah. And I, I go, I'm showing you, they want your listener, but I fall yeah. forward. And just before I hit the ground, I kind of stop and bounce a little bit. Okay. And it's and like then swimming, you fly. but it feels like swimming. But I can, oh. all, I can fly, but only three or four inches off the ground. <laughs> That's amazing. So flying is the answer. It's the answer. Oh, brilliant. I love all of that. It's absolutely gorgeous. Thank you so much for sharing. Brilliant. This has been such a delightful conversation for, for any day and on a Friday as it is today. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been a oh, real thanks, pleasure. Natalie. I've loved so I it. should ask, where can everyone find you actually before I close out? Oh, uh, uh, Twitter um, is I'm on Twitter a lot. Uh, well, I say I'm on. I try not to be on Twitter a lot, but it's it's probably the one I use most. But I have my Gavinotes Facebook page. I have LinkedIn and Instagram and all all the usual kind of Just things. Just pop your name in Google. Absolutely. And if anybody, in terms of the books, do you know what? The quickest and cheapest place to find them is Amazon. But if you have a local independent bookstore, please go and order the books from there. This has been beautiful. Thank you so much. What Yeah, what a treat to start the day. And I hope you have a fantastic day and weekend. Thank you, Gavin. You too. Thanks, Natalie. And thanks everyone for listening. Take care, everybody. Look after yourself and keep well. Bookstore please go and order the books from there this has been beautiful thank you so much what yeah what a treat to start the day and i hope you have a fantastic day and weekend thank you gavin you too. thanks natalie and thanks everyone for listening take care everybody look after yourself and keep well you have been listening to seize the day with natalie miller snell if you've enjoyed this show please head over to seize the day .simplecast .com for all of my other shows 
If you're interested to hear more about coaching, please visit nmscoaching.co.uk. If you'd like to chew the fat over some of the topics in these podcasts, please come and join me at my Facebook group, Dare to Be You. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening.